This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. Uh, I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 65. Brady, what are your top five favorite fried chicken restaurants? Oh, man. You know what? I would I would list them off if I could speak right now, but I'm trying to shake this cold, and uh, it's one of my voices the way it is. Uh, go for it. What are uh, I'm going to say, in, in descending order, probably... Bojangles, Zaxby's, uh, Canes, KFC, and Popeyes. Those are mine. Not, um, damn, what was Gustavo Fring's? Place oh, oh, uh, um, oh, uh, Hermanos, uh, Hermanos, it was the, the, <laughs> yeah, Polo, Hermanos, Hermanos, po- wait, it was, it was the Chicken Brothers, right? I, I, I don't know Spanish. I wish I did. It's actually the shame of my existence right now. Let's see. Um, uh, it's I, not I El Polo fun. Loco. I've never actually been to an El Polo Loco. And I like chicken, fried chicken from other places, but I have to say, number one with a bullet for me has got to be Popeye's chicken, uh, which, uh, of course, is from New Orleans, but it's Los Polos Hermanos, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's, yeah, Los Polos Hermanos, the chicken brothers. There we go. What about you? I don't have a five. I didn't even know there were five. <laughs> what, 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 what about number one? What is number your number one, one? Number one. If I'm like, we're going to get fried chicken, where are we going? Well, let's see. Fried chicken's pretty awesome. So I yeah. never really want to wait that long uh-huh. to be eating it. And there's a Popeye's not far from here. Yes, there is. Yeah. You, it's like closer to your house. Uh, yeah, it is. The one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going with Popeye's? Let's do it. I didn't bring fried chicken over. I was just thinking of this in the way over about, you know, how the Tyrannosaurus Rex moves in this movie and uh, the Velociraptors. The Velociraptors move a little bit more like a cat or a chicken to me. But the Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think, moves more like a big lumbering turkey almost. If you've seen the way that like their heads bob and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, just rewatching this movie, you can definitely see how the animators went back and they tracked the motion of birds, uh, especially like, it, it seems to me, honestly, like chickens and stuff and how they move and kind of like track their bodies along like that. You can definitely at points uh, see the velociraptor. Their movement looks yeah. kind of like the way a, a duck pulls his head like back and forth as it walks. I've never heard anything about uh, them actually matching or tracking leads um, mm. from, mm-hmm. from anything, but I know that the animators were required to get up and like, jump around a room yeah. with their arms pulled in like little T-Rex arms. You know, it really shows. I think any lesser production that got their hands on the CG stuff first, uh, we would think very differently about the about the way it moves. But uh, ILM just did a fantastic job of like making these things look believable. It's reminiscent of the days when you would see like old animators flipping through the pages one by one, and then they have a mirror yeah. next to where they're, they're stationed or whatever, and they'll try and... Do a caricature of a certain uh, facial expression. Yeah, yeah, kind of uh, similar to that. The, yeah, yeah. It's and that's that's a really cool trick. So, yeah, you want to go ahead and get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw the debut of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. As she broke free from her habitat, she roared and struck fear into the tour guests. Doctor Grant told Doctor Malcolm to stay still because the Rex's vision was based on movement. As the minute ended, we saw Lex rummaging through the back of the tour vehicle for a flashlight. At minute number 65, Lex picks up the flashlight and turns it on. At 6503, the T-Rex touches her jaw to the tour vehicle to see what it is. She stops and looks towards the front tour vehicle, where a powerful beam of light is now shining through. Grant whispers, turn the light off, as the Rex makes its way towards the beam. At 6512, Lex is panicking and pointing the beam directly at the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tim is yelling at her to turn the light off. 
At 65.15, the Rex looks around the car as Tim reaches out to close the door that Gennaro left open. Tim slams the door shut, which grabs the Rex's attention. The T-Rex quickly looks down at the vehicle. At 65.23, Lex and Tim both freeze. At 65.25, the Rex sniffs the tour vehicle, attempting to wrap its mind around what it is seeing. At 65.36, we cut to a shot of Lex shining the flashlight directly out of her car window. The T-Rex looks directly into the car window. Its eye dilates when the powerful beam shines into it. At 65.46, the Rex breathes in heavily and lets out an ear-splitting roar. Both Tim and Lex cover their ears. At 65.55, the Rex moves in closer to the tour vehicle as Tim and Lex both move to the opposite side of the car. And thus ends minute number 65 of Jurassic Park. So, yeah, like I said a minute ago, uh, this is really intense. Uh, do you remember your feelings when you first saw this scene in the theater? I remember when I heard about Jurassic Park mm-hmm. for the first time. And I was told, I remember hearing, uh, like, maybe the day it came out or some sometime shortly before it came out on Good Morning America, they were saying it's too scary for kids. Yeah. And all I knew about dinosaurs was Barney. Yeah. Or Denver. Denver. The last, yeah, yeah, all of that. Just these things that just kind of lumbered around and everything. And I can remember... Uh, thinking that's ridiculous. There's no way this is going to be scary. This movie looks awesome, but I can't imagine it's going to be scary. Everybody has like a certain memory of a movie going experience. And this is one I'll never forget just how loud it was and how scary. Yeah. They were right when they said this is incredibly scary. That wasn't an exaggeration. I was, uh, humbled yeah by this whole by this whole sequence in this film I it was like nothing knows. i had ever seen before up until that point it must have been how audiences felt the first time seeing jaws you know when the, yeah. the first kid is killed by jaws and you see this fountain of blood this ridiculous amount of blood shooting up out of the water the first time i saw that on on cable tv on wgn like when i was a kid it scared the hell out of me it really bothered me yeah. but this was um even though there's really no gore in the scene i don't think anything matches the intensity of what's going on in this scene at any other point in the movie. No, know? I don't think so. Uh, and especially, you know, that it's children in peril, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into some really intense stuff in the next minute. The, the, the setup on this thing, when was the last time we heard a musical cue? It had to be before Scott was here, right? Exactly. Yeah. Of course, Scott, you know, Corelli, uh, who was, yeah, uh, we're yeah. very thankful, joined us on the show for Thursday and Friday last week, who was who was awesome, but we haven't heard music in a while yeah. in this. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Uh, and he had a very good point about how when you only hear music in this at certain points in this movie, and it's strange the way it's set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have talked endlessly about um, how still and silent this movie can be uh, from time to time, probably more so than it is active, at least up until this point. Yeah. Um, throughout this entire sequence, we've had these kids, uh, not just kids, but the people sitting in... Uh, you know, the rain pattering in the car and everything. And the only real sound we've had was when the Rex came out and kind of roared and you sort of like saw it coming. Uh, but whenever he leans down and he's looking through the car and then he lets out that deafening roar, I mean, it is like someone just punching you in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly it, effective. Even though you know it's there, there's nothing that can really prepare you for it. So it's so funny how this movie really takes its time when it wants to. It, it The pace of this movie is amazing. It You don't feel like you're watching it for more than five minutes and the whole thing is over because it just moves so well. But whenever it needs to build a scene, they're not afraid to take two or three minutes of just kind of setting it up through slow pitter-patter of rain or the goat's leg and things just keep ramping up. And yeah. right now, it's like just the size and the scale of the beast compared to Tim and Lex. Yeah. It's the vulnerability of these two kids vulnerability, excuse me, is really on display here. You know, they, they feel very precious and delicate and that they can be destroyed at any second. And Spielberg and, and company are uh, letting the Rex be the threat, be yeah. the thing that's on show. They don't need music to assist. They don't need uh, flashy camera work. You, you 
put your camera there, and then you let you know Stan Winston, yeah, and and uh, Dennis Murin do what they do. Do your thing, Stan. Yeah, and he did. The structure of Jurassic Park screenplay is very strange. Uh, it th- this is the film's biggest, most rousing moment, and it's not at the end of the third act. It's right here, smack in the middle of the movie. And then after that, the movie gets narrower and narrower and narrower and more claustrophobic and does not follow uh, the typical structure you think an, an action adventure would follow. Yeah. They take their big thing, they put it right here in the middle, and they say, there you go. Now, the focal point in terms of the dinosaurs is the velociraptors in this movie. Uh, but everyone would have expected the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the famed Tyrannosaurus Rex, yeah. uh, to do something big like this. So they had to include it. Um and so it, it, for years it felt to me almost like, okay, here's your Tyrannosaurus Rex attack. Here it is. We're going to drop it in the middle of the movie. You got it. Now back to our story where we study these velociraptors specifically. Right. But I don't see it like that anymore. Um, because if that was the case, they wouldn't give Dilophosaurus his own little moment or the Gallimimus their moment mm-hmm. uh, or the Brachiosaurus their moment. This is a theme park with animals and not just one type of animal, the Velociraptor. Yeah. So we are going to get... Each of each of these dinosaurs, each of these animals is going to get his own spotlight and his own moment. So. And the Tyrannosaurus Rex is almost like this like force of nature that just kind of shows up every now and then, and, you know, destroys everything. We see it come in and tears the Gallimimus apart. Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. it, you know shows up for the big save at the very end of the movie. Spoilers, but you know that's yeah. we 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 talked about originally this movie had a different ending, but then they were so blown away with how the Tyrannosaurus Rex stuff was coming along, they rewrote it to make it star at the end. And this movie has just one of the best like last like shots. I mean, you know, not not the last shot, but the last shot of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and this is really, yeah. it's an instant classic, so. Yeah, he, I mean, he owns it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at the beginning of this, at this minute, we see um, Lex showing that she's a go-getter. Throughout the course of doing Jurassic Park Minute and being able to kind of rediscover these characters, I think Lex might actually be one of my favorite characters in the movie. I think she's one of the most uh, impressive people in the movie. And it's her ability to think fast, use her quick wit to save the day and to save the people around her and her little brother. And in this case, it's she just kind of pulling on her immediate resources. What's in it, what is inside this automobile that I can use? Okay, there's this big flashlight in the back. Let me see if I can signal the people in the other car, the adults in the other car. Uh, all of that process is just um, – I would not expect a kid to be able to come up with that uh, in that you know span of time when faced with this like – thing this alien experience that none no human has ever been faced with ever this is the first time uh and so for her to be able to like put all that together is is very cool and it's just one example of uh how she's going to come through throughout the course of the movie like that okay so my read on this is the exact opposite of that what you got uh pure panic on her part uh me i think she is reaching for the flashlight because she doesn't know what to do and she's just kind of like looking for anything i don't know that i read exactly into the scene that she's trying to signal anybody so much as she's just trying to see the tyrannosaurus rex you know okay not, uh, like, not like survival mode or anything no just, i think she's pure she's panic. panic i think she yeah. i think she's dooming everybody in fact i think that's why you know when tim's like turn the light off she's like no I, yeah. I apologize i apologize and then after this, when they, you know, when she and Grant get down to the, she starts choking him on accident, they get down to the bottom and she's like locked up. She's like, uh, he left us, he left us, he left, which is like a moment in the book that stuck out to me. She, she says the term of the words like he left us like over and over again. So my read on it was that she was panicking 
And we see the growth of her character later on in the movie when she's actually able to pull it together and to save everybody in the Unix system. So I think that uh, I mean th- that's my read on it. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, yeah. I just I t- had a different takeaway from it than you. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, you know Tim is a little bit more cool headed in this. He's the one who's actually daring enough to get out and try to close the door. That's right. And yeah. they don't exp- explicitly say it, but you kind of think that he might even know that the Tyrannosaurus uh, has the vision thing because he's telling her to turn the light off and. You can kind of see him staying still. That's me reading a little bit more into it than is actually yeah. there. But um, yeah, no, my, my the, the way I, the, yeah, my takeaway from it is that Lex is like pure panic. And had she been a little bit cooler under pressure, yeah. the Tyrannosaurus Rex just might have just walked off. Either way, mm-hmm. uh, if the way I'm seeing it is right or the way you're seeing it is right, she did screw everybody <laughs> with that damn flashlight. So well, what's, what's the actress's name again? Ariana Richards. Okay, she's really good uh, in this movie, and I think she uh, isn't given a whole lot of credit because, you know, not a whole lot of it is asked of her, but she definitely plays that kind of like uh, someone who doesn't really know the situation that they're in. You know, she she is kind of like very meek at points and, you know, uh, kind of plays it like panicky really well. So yeah, no, that, that can't be easy for her to do. No. Um, we also get a uh, a really great transition between Stan Winston's work and Dennis ILM's work. Whenever yes, the, thank the you. Pops the side of the car with the adults in it and then looks up to see the flashlight and then pulls out a frame and immediately the digital t-rex starts to walk over there like seamless yes yes i was thinking the same thing even when i saw this as a kid i think i remember knowing that they had the rig there of the upper you know the 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 face the head of everything of the transverse rex and seeing that knowing that that was a model like the queen alien and then immediately going to the walking Rex towards the first car yeah. was almost like, how did they do that? You know, yeah. cause you can't really wrap your head around it the first time you see it. And then you realize like, Oh, all they did was they zoomed the camera in and just pulled the head on the puppet up a little bit. And then they came back and post and yeah. put the CG in it. Yeah. And there's only maybe not even a full second between one of the things that really helps me, that really sells me on the believability of the dinosaurs is the CGI dinosaurs is the way that, uh, the light hits them. Obviously when the moonlight hits them, uh, excuse me, the, uh, lightning, the lightning. Yeah. Uh, there's something about the way that it hits on the skin that really makes it believable. The vehicle headlights, yeah. when it's hitting its legs, yeah. or right whenever it steps out and does its big roar the first time or whatever, we cut to the interior of the adults, you know, the second car, and the headlights are on its face as it's walking by, and it just adds to the believability. I don't know why. I think it's because it's like a, a real-world natural element mm-hmm. interacting yeah. with this thing that just kind of helps helps uh, the believability. And I think they definitely, you know, a lesser filmmaker would try to really push this stuff without knowing the boundaries of the technology at the time. And I think Spielberg really knew how to not overexpose or not expose the weaknesses of this. You and know, that is why I think this is still to this day, the greatest use of CGI in any movie I've ever Possibly, seen. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, I really think so. By that, I mean, the, the camera is there. It's stationary. You're, you don't have all of this like color timing done in post. You've just got your CG elements on display interacting with the real world as it really would. Like I'm saying, headlight lights, you know, hitting it. Nowadays, you would get, uh, not even, I don't even say nowadays. This was happening back then too when CG was coming out, uh, coming into its own. Um, It was, it's what was on display. It wasn't like you have said, a punctuation in the moment. Uh, Something there to help sell whatever the uh, scenario is that's going on in the scene. Nowadays, it's all CG. The focus is the CG element. And not what that T Rex is heading for, which is a car. Right. People. You think it's just an accent piece in order to tell the story. Yeah. 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 yeah mm-hmm. And people have forgotten that. Yeah. But that's a whole big old bitch <laughs> sesh that I just don't feel like getting into. Yeah. Uh, I do have a bunch of notes on 
um, Stan Winston. Yeah, please, by all means. Uh, yeah, God rest his soul, the legendary yeah, Stan Winston. I remember the, where I was when I heard that he died. I was, you know, still upset, but yeah. Where were you? I was in a Starbucks in Dallas, Texas, uh, in um, well, Capel, uh, was it uh, Las Colinas around that area? I was working a job that I had for nine months. I had an amazing apartment. It was a wonderful time. It was so cool. But I was sitting in the, in the Starbucks, and I remember I had my laptop with me, and I saw that Stan Winston had died. Yeah. I think I was writing a screenplay, actually, <laughs> during that. Gone I was really soon. upset. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, anyway, uh, what a legacy. What yeah, a body absolutely. Work, you know? So, um, but he had a school, Stan Winston School. Mm-hmm. That was the, you know, studio. And all of, the, all of his understudies uh, have carried on everything that he started and these guys have gone and just compiled a bunch of like, uh, I don't want to call it home video footage, but behind the scenes stuff that they were shooting while building all of these animals. And it is hours worth of stuff. Mm. Uh, well, they've compiled a lot of it down to kind of like 10 minute clips where they are now speaking years later about the experience while showing it in this footage. The design of the T-Rex is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in the sense that it starts off with the very basic, uh, metal skeleton. And then they actually went and built like a vertebrae out of pieces of plywood. Um, and then inside on top of that was, uh, like chicken wire. And then on top of the chicken wire was the sort of like little, some kind of like layering and then clay on top of that, that they went in and actually did the detail of the skin, the texturing, the flesh. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the thing had to like lift its head up and, you know, stand up to like 40 feet tall whenever it was fully, uh, looking upright. They actually had to raise the ceiling in the studio. In oh, the really? Building. Wow! Yeah, just to just to accommodate it. Um, as far as like the neck being able to move around, and any parts like let's say the tail being able to move around, they had to build a sort of a metal spiral inside of it so that it would stay upright but still be able mm. to move. So I'm trying not to do it while yeah. <laughs> facing yeah. the mic. But uh, so it's a real. You can actually they have a YouTube channel, um, and you can go search for Stan Winston School. I believe is the name of the YouTube channel, and they have dozens of uh, behind the scenes Jurassic Park videos yeah. talking about how they made T-Rex, Raptor, all the physical stuff. Very, very, very interesting. I'm definitely going to go subscribe to that because I have seen a lot of their parking lot stuff where they made the queen alien and it's yeah. just a bunch of trash bags Similar. and like cardboard put together. But yeah. just the way they were able to take that and turn it into the queen and aliens, which is basically just a giant puppet, you know, uh, and it's still believable. Both of those are just amazing yeah. pieces of puppetry. Absolutely. It's some of the greatest stuff I've ever seen in a movie. And, uh, this it, it's it's completely believable. The moment where it looks down and the eye dilates is yeah. that's it. Little kind of like little thing that you know Spielberg and Stan Winston probably sat down. They're like, how can we make this believable? Well, what if we just have the iris on the eye and just like pull in a little bit? Exactly. Uh, you know, and it, it totally that was in a lot of the trailers. That was like one of the big yeah. moments with, that they showed in the trailers. And uh, I remember waiting for that scene in the movie. You know, sometimes whenever I'm watching a movie and there's something that I'm supposed to connect with and feel and be afraid of, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult unless I have something to draw upon from the real world. Have you ever been to a zoo or something and there's the only thing between you and a massive lion? Uh, it's like a fence, yeah. a piece of metal or glass yeah. or something like that. So just take that and multiply that by like God even God only knows like a hundred and you probably get the, the thrill and the terror that these kids are feeling whenever uh, that thing comes and looks at the window. So uh, I've got one last note. Um, whenever they decided to have rain for this scene, they did not account for the amount of weight that that was going to put into the foam, uh, which is what the skin of the T-Rex is made out of. So they had to kind of pull back on a lot of the stuff they wanted to do with this animatronic. And I think it's funny that it is the 
uh, inclusion of water that made this animatronic beast not work. And then the Spielberg thus had to pull back the amount of what he wanted to do with it. Does it, that sound familiar? It sure does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same that's, scenario. Yeah, that's that's exactly uh, the thing that uh, sidelined uh, Sugarland Express for so many years, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I'm See kidding. you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're talking about the shark from Jaws. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no one anticipated the type of water they were going to be putting the shark into, which is salt water, uh, damaging the thing, and then they had to pull back the amount of stuff that they wanted to do with that. So I just think it's kind of interesting. But, um, you know, we did our Lost World uh, review for our Patreon subscription listeners last weekend. And, oh yeah, we talked about how they still had the rain going in the um, T-Rex attack sequence. But they were able to make the T-Rexes stationary so that it wasn't any rain that was going to be getting on them wasn't going to impair the uh, production in any way. So it's funny that they, you know, learned their lesson or whatever. But yeah. If anybody's interested in all of that info, they should go check out that uh, that Patreon episode. That I've seen did. that footage of the Tyrannosaurus Rex whenever it gets too wet, and it looks like it's having a seizure. It yeah, starts it really moving, does. and it stomps, and it's just uh, uh, jerking yeah, around like that. It's, yeah. It is that kind of frightening, yeah. That's well, all I've got. That's all I've got for this minute, too, and I think it's pretty crazy we're actually able to string about 25 minutes out of something Seriously. with no almost no dialogue. I mean, the, yeah. the only line we have is what, turn the light off and just say yeah. a few times yeah. for everybody. I do want to say there is one thing. Uh, when Gennaro gets out of the car to run to the bathroom, he leaves the door open. Then we cut back to them in the car. Later, the door's closed. It goes from open to close, open to close, and then finally it's open, and Tim closes it. So Multiple times. Yeah. Cars, they need locking mechanisms. It's a magic car. Yeah. They really do. All right, well, let's get out of here, and uh, I think we're going to need for you to put some ice packs on your throat or something so, so you're able to do it's, both of these yeah. podcasts that we're doing right now. Of Jeez. course. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and get out of here. All right, folks, well, I am Kyle. Hi, Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.